Our Hebrew lesson this morning is from the book of Exodus, chapter 17. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me, he said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it so that all the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and the people drank. He called the place Massa and Meribah. Because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now I'd like to invite our children, K through second graders, to go to children's worship with Pastor Renee. John, this is your moment. You said you wanted to preach. Um. <laughs> Saying, I can, I can sit down. <laughs> and so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth May the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock. You are our water in the wilderness. Amen. Parker Palmer tells this great story about a flight that he took many years ago from Chicago to Denver. And the story goes that his plane pulled away from its gate, but it stayed taxied for a really long time, long enough that after a while, he and all the other passengers knew something was not right. I think you know that feeling when the engines power down, and then the pilot's voice comes across the intercom, and the pilot said, I have some bad news, folks. There's a storm in the west exactly where we are headed, and the Denver airport has now shut down. We've sought out some other places, but unfortunately there are no alternatives for us. So we are just going to have to stay here on this airplane for at least a couple of hours. That's the bad news, the pilot said. The really bad news is that we don't have any food on board. 
Now, when I heard this story, I don't understand why they couldn't go back to the gate, let everyone off the airplane into the airport where there had to have been plenty of food. But for whatever reason, it sounds like that was not an option. So, of course, everyone groaned and began to complain. Some people became angry. Until finally, one of the flight attendants stood up in the middle aisle and took the microphone. And she said, look, we are really sorry here, folks. Obviously, none of us was planning on this to happen. And we know that for some of you, this is a really big deal. You're hungry, and you were expecting lunch sometime soon. Or some of you have a medical condition, and you might really need some food in the next little bit. Some of you have young children, and you need something to hold them over. So I have an idea, she said. I've got a couple of empty baskets, and we are going to pass them around this plane right now. If you have anything with you that might help someone out, would you be willing to put it in the basket? I know some of you have brought little snacks along just in case, Little peanut butter crackers, candy bars. Some of you have Rolaids, Lifesavers, chewing gum. And if you don't have anything edible, she said, you have a business card or a picture of your kids or a bookmark. She said, the point is, I want everyone to put something in the basket because then we will reverse the process. We'll pick the baskets back up and we will pass them around again and everyone can take out something they might need. Parker Palmer says that what happened next was amazing. First, the complaining and the griping stopped. People suddenly started to root around in their pockets and handbags and briefcases, searching for what they might have to put in a basket. Some of them stood up and got their luggage down from the overhead bins. And they got out things like boxes of candy, salami, Italian sausage, (laughs) cheese, crackers. Y'all, even someone had a bottle of wine. Because this was in the days when you could actually take all sorts of these things on airplanes. All of a sudden, people were laughing and talking This flight attendant had completely transformed a plane filled with anxious, disgruntled people focused on their own need into a gracious community, sharing with one another, creating an abundance of sorts. Well, today's scripture reading is about another group of people who are stranded, not on an airplane, but in the wilderness, And they have no water. The Israelites have been wandering through the wilderness for days now. They are growing thirsty and crying out to God to give them something to drink. Now the story doesn't tell us how many days the Israelites have been without water, but about 100 hours is cited as the average length of time that the human body can typically survive at normal temperatures without access to water. That's little over four days. But in the Sinai Peninsula, the average high temperatures are between 95 degrees and 105 degrees Fahrenheit, at least in the summer months. And then when you add on all the additional factors like exertion, walking long distances on foot, 
carrying all of one's belongings, tents, small children, wrangling livestock along the way, well, that shortens the timeline considerably, doesn't it? Their thirst is no small thing. This is not the inconvenience of being stranded in an airplane for a few hours without a snack to carry you over. This is literally a matter of life and death. And in the middle of this scorching hot wilderness, the Israelites begin to cry out and question whether God is among them or not. But what I find especially interesting is how God responds to their need by pointing them towards what they already have. What's right there in their hand. I love how Hebrew Bible scholar Valerie Bridgman imagines this conversation going. This weekend on our women's retreat, we talked about having a sanctified imagination as we approach scripture with wonder and curiosity. And so as she approaches this text with that same spirit of imagination, she says, maybe it went something like this. Maybe God said, hey, Moses, go grab your elders. They've been with you this whole time. Come on, let's go. You've seen things like this happen before, Moses, remember? (laughs) Take that staff. Yes, that thing that's already right there in your hand. The same thing that you used back at the Nile River and then again to part the waters of the Red Sea. Yeah, that thing still works. Now go forward with that stick And look ahead, because I will be standing right there with you. And strike that rock over there with your stick that's in your hand, and water will come out of it. And Moses does this, and streams of water appear just as God said they would. If you haven't looked at our artwork for today, Emily Moyers imagined this piece for us. Emily, can you wave to us and let people see you? Thank you for creating this artwork and this imagination of this text for us. It's a beautiful depiction of Moses in the wilderness and water just bursting forth from that rock. But when you think about it, we see this kind of thing happen over and over again throughout Scripture, where God points us toward what we already have to help us in our time of need. For instance, when David is up against Goliath, he uses what he has, a few small stones and a slingshot to defeat the giant. Or when the widow at Zarephath thinks that her story is just about to be over Elijah encourages her to use what she has, a small jar of flour, a little jug of oil to supply bread for her family, and the jars miraculously never run out. Or in the Gospels, when Jesus is teaching people on the mountainside and he and the disciples don't have any food to feed everyone, one of them says, Jesus, it would take six months of wages just to afford to buy the food for this many people. But then they see a little boy with five barley loaves and a couple fish, and Jesus says, huh, I wonder what we could do with that. Scripture is always pointing us toward God's abundance that is within us and all around us. If only we have the eyes to see it, 
to trust it, to take that staff that is sometimes already in our hands and to take that next step forward. It's like one of my favorite scenes from The Wizard of Oz you may have heard me talk about before. When Glinda, the good witch, descends on Oz in her magic pink bubble. The wicked witch is already dead, but Dorothy is desperate to get back home to Kansas. And she doesn't know how she'll ever find her way back to her Uncle Henry and Annie M. When Glinda arrives, Dorothy says, oh, will you help me, please? Can you help me get back home? And Glinda smiles and says, Dorothy, you don't need to be helped. You've had the power all along, my dear. And the same is true for us. Sometimes we've had the power all along. We've had the resources. We've had the skill sets. We've had the people that are right there with us. But do we see it? Now listen carefully, because I don't want to say that we can be our own saviors in the story. As hard as we might try to be that, we will burn out or fail or fall short every single time. We need a God who is bigger than we are. We need a God who can do things that we could never even imagine doing on our own. We need a God who sees us in the midst of our wilderness moments and can help We need a God who can make water burst forth out of rocks. And at the same time, I'm reminded that God gives us a part to play too in this work of liberation. For Moses, the resources were already right there. The people beside him, the stick in his hand, the rock in front of him. All he had to do was take that next brave step as God was calling him. It's like Anne Lamott says again and again, I tell God that I need help. And God says, well, isn't that fabulous? Because I need your help too. So you go get that woman over there, a cup of cold water, and I will figure out what we're going to do about your stuff. As we continue to make our way through this Lenten theme of embodiment, I wonder how God might be inviting us to live out the truths of the story, to look around us and to see the radical abundance that we already have, to use all that we have been entrusted to do the work of love and justice that God is calling us to do, to realize that we've had the power all along. But Pastor Tim Hughes-Williams asks a great question of this text, and it really helped to reframe my thinking about it this week. He asks, why would God need a third party with a staff to bring water to the desert in the first place? After all, just chapters earlier, God had caused it to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Why couldn't God just cause it to rain again? It's a valid question, isn't it? And sometimes we want God to intervene like that in our lives and in our world too. But he says it's almost as if God's very intention is to invite people to span the gap, to go on ahead and span the distance between us and faith. It's almost as if that kind of bridging is an essential ingredient, a prerequisite to the miracle. 
which makes me wonder in what ways God might be inviting us to span the gap between what is and what could be. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, how is God inviting us to span the gap to make that happen? How might we help to be the prerequisite for God to act or intervene or bring about liberation in our world? I have a box of cards and notes and mementos that different friends church members have given me over the years. You may have a box similar to that. And I open it whenever I'm having a hard day. I need to be reminded of some of those words. And I was going through the box recently, and at the very top of it was a sticky note that a friend had sent me a few years ago. I remembered having a conversation with her about a significant decision I needed to make. But I just didn't know if I was ready. I didn't know if I had it in me, if I was ready to take that next step. And a few days after our conversation, she mailed me a card with this little yellow sticky note inside that had just the words I needed in that season of my life. She wrote, you can do this. You have everything you need. You can do this. You have everything you need. And so I kept that sticky note on my refrigerator for the following year as a reminder that I had the power. I had everything I needed to do what God was calling me to do. And then on the days when I wasn't sure if I actually believed it, I would go back to my refrigerator because I would see my friend's handwriting. And I thought, if she believes this about me, then maybe I can believe it about myself too. Is the Lord among us or not? If we're looking for a picture-perfect answer to that question in the midst of our own wilderness moments, I think we might be looking for a while. But if we can look more closely, I think there could be no end to the ways in which we see God among us and the people who journey with us, the people around this room today, the people who believe in us even on the days when we can't believe in ourselves. And all that God has gifted and entrusted to us in those modern-day staves that God has placed into our hands. Sometimes we even see God with us in the words of a friend scribbled out on a sticky note and stuck on our refrigerator door. The pastor I quoted earlier reminds us that perhaps this is how it always worked. Even in the wild Bible times of snakes and staffs and water springing forth from a rock, God still invited regular old people to span the gap and to step out in faith, to remind each other that there is an incredible healing power in our very own hands. Friends, we carry this ordinary water that ushers in the living water that has power to heal and to liberate and to redeem. And so may we lean towards one another and may we discover the hope that crackles like lightning in the spaces between. Amen.